Well, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, like I've noticed, but um, over the years as you drive around the West Orlando area and Orlando as well, uh, you see these bumper stickers on the back of cars uh, that kind of look like that. And just in case you don't know, that bumper sticker is actually our logo. I know some of you are going, you're kidding me. I've been wondering about that. That's why so many of them end up in our parking lot every Sunday. So, so I'm glad that that's become clear to you. Um, so so that's, that's what that is. And, and, and the bumper sticker, uh, the reason the bumper sticker ends up on so many cars and, and why it, it seems so sort of uh, uh, mysterious was actually not accidental. It, it was intentional from the beginning points of our journey as a church together uh, a little over 10 years ago. See, one of the things that we wanted uh, back in the early days and continuing into today was a place where the ability to connect quickly and easily and the ability to, to belong quickly and easily, the, the reality to be known well and to be led well and to be shepherded well, uh, to be able to interact with one another well, not only within the walls of the church, but outside of the walls in daily life. We wanted that to be a quick and easy connection. We wanted that to be a no-brainer for people. And so we came up with the concept that if you took the bumper sticker and you stuck it on the back of your car, it doesn't say mosaic, it doesn't have a website on it, it's just the bumper sticker with the crown of thorns and the dove in it, and you all just went, there's a dove in it? Yes, there's a dove in it. Look carefully next time. Um, that, that, that would both be a conversation piece for you to engage with people around you and a means by which we would recognize one another, that we would kind of go, hey, hey, look, that car up there, that's somebody, kind of catch up and look in the window and wave. And, and there's a connection point for us outside of the walls here where we are able to say, uh, man, we are part of the same gospel story uh, under the direction and vision of Mosaic Church. And it was a wonderful way to do that. Uh, I remember when we started Mosaic Church, there were probably three to five key families involved in the church. So if I saw a bumper sticker, which was not very common, uh, I knew it was one of five sets of, of people, right? I mean, I, I'd be like, oh, it's either them or them or them. E oh, hey! And then they'd go, hey! And it would be so awesome. And, and that was the heart of the bumper sticker. The reason that was the heart of the bumper sticker is because our heart here at Mosaic Church is to fulfill the mandates of Scripture as God calls us into engaging into one another's lives at a very high level, a very personal level, uh, a very engaged level. Uh, God actually is very, very clear within the church context of, of this type of personal engagement and this kind of of uh, invasiveness in one another's lives, not just in the walls of the church, but outside the walls of the church. In fact, God is so serious about this that in scripture, he tells us why he engages leaders in the church and he tells us how we as a church are to engage with one another. He does it in multiple places, but two of them that are very significant are these. And these scriptures drive us here at Mosaic often in our decision making and the way that we do things. The first is found in a Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to go quick so you can just listen or you can read along if you choose to. Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, and he gave to the church here, he gave to the body of Christ, to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. 
So there's a group of people that he gave to the church, the leadership of the church, and he gave them to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to, be, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceptive schemes. You see that? See, the intent of the leadership of the church was to bring vision, was to bring uh, direction, was to bring teaching, was to bring shepherding to the people so that they would mature into Christ-likeness and they would be the kinds of people that are able to deal with life in a manner worthy of the gospel that brings freedom into their lives. That they wouldn't be tossed to and fro by the wind, but that they would be led well. This was the intent of God, is the intent of God, in the leadership engagement with the people of the church. And then God goes on uh, through uh, other places to share Hey, this actually translates into our relationship with one another. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 23, it says this. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. So here God is saying, listen, as a church body, the leadership is supposed to be equipping the church to do the work of the gospel and to mature into Christ-likeness through their lives so that they will be free and not tossed about and that they would live out their gospel call. And the people of the church are to stir one another up, to spur one another on in that work of good works and love so that the gospel would be made known through our lives, our actions, our words, right? That's what we're supposed to do. And the bumper sticker was our means by saying, now you can see each other out there. It's awesome. And then, as the church moved from five families to 10 families, to 50 people, to 500 people, to 1,000 people, to 1,500 people, to 2,000 people, and it just kept going, we started noticing a trend that was a little disheartening, right? I would be driving down the road, now there's lots of bumper stickers. I see them everywhere. That's exciting, except for this. Instead of driving by and going, hey, and having a hey back, it was more one of these, hey, I don't, I don't know them. Huh, they're not one of the five families. So they have a bumper sticker. Hey, and then you have that moment where they see you and they'll go, what is this weirdo doing? And so you have this deep need to speed up ahead of them to show them you have a bumper sticker so they go, oh, there's the connection. They're just another person from Mosaic because I don't know them, they don't know me. 
And so suddenly the, the bumper sticker that was so connective moved from connectiveness to awkwardness, right? Now, does it make it bad? No, because it's still, you, once you both see each other's bumper stickers, you're like, oh, it feels so warm and fuzzy. But, but the reality is we saw this trend translate beyond the bumper sticker. We saw the trend translate into some very real places that were not as simple as an awkward moment on the highway. We started walking into the lobby of Mosaic Church and bumping into people there and having this conversation. You know, uh, uh, we, uh, is this your first time? No, 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 we, we've been here about two years now. Oh, that, that's, that's so exciting. So, uh, so are you connected? No, no, we come uh, to the gatherings, but we, we've tried to connect. It's, it's difficult. I was, you know, I, I don't, yeah, I, I used to be an elder in my other church, but I tried here to get into a group and I couldn't. And we're like, oh, we're so, we're so sorry. That, that's not supposed, I mean, do you, you, you have a bumper sticker? You know, like, you almost want to get, I mean, it, it's just not working. We, we had discussions like this, like, oh, man, you know, hey, have you ever considered stepping into the journey as, as a deacon here? Yep, I have. Well, you should do it. Did. When? Two years ago, sent an email, want to be a deacon. Nobody responded. Huh. That's, that's, that's odd. That's, that's not good. Can we try that again? No, not really, because I sent a second email, no one responded. So we started noticing, though many people felt very connected, some people didn't at all. You know, uh, you'd, you'd have these discussions. Oh man, how's it going? Oh, it's incredible. Hey, Renault, I love that vision talk from 2009, man, when you called us all into the story. I stood up. Awesome, how's it going? I, I stood up. I don't really know what else to do. You see, there was this, this sense that uh, I've engaged, I've said I'm in, I, I want to do this, but I don't really know what that means. So uh, here, in heart and mind, I'm in. But in terms of actually being in, I don't know. I mean, am I in? Is standing up enough? Because I did that. And we started realizing, no, that, that, that's, that's not enough. You see, we started realizing in this trend that the bumper stickers were failing us in the outcome that we were hoping they would produce. They were working great when there were 10 families, even 200 people. But when you exceed 1,000, it just doesn't work anymore at that level. And so we started going, man, we, the leadership of Mosaic Church, are failing the people. We are failing the mandate of God because we are, we are teaching from the stage, inspiring from the stage, and on some level in random moments engaging, but for the most part, if we were really honest to say, are we fulfilling Ephesians chapter four and leading people into greater maturity and making sure that they're growing, we would say randomly, randomly at best. We, the leadership of Mosaic Church, have great intentions. We really do. We just have random follow-up. So the great intentions translate into disappointment because they're really great intentions, but no real follow-up. And so we started realizing the only people uh, that really were connected is if you happen to connect relationally deeply with one of the leadership people, then you got in. And so the pathway into the inner city of Mosaic, the core of Mosaic, was a difficult pathway in. And so we started talking, man. 
as a leadership, we started talking about a year ago. We're like, what, what, what do we need to add to the bumper sticker? What do we need to add to the equation to help us move past this sort of uh, hypothetical connection into a reality of connection that people can actually be growing in? How do we affect things so that we, the leadership, can fulfill Ephesians chapter four and actually integrate personally into the lives of people, leading them into a life of devotion to Jesus, a life of mission for the gospel, and a life of stewardship of their time, their resources, their lives in a manner worthy of the gospel so that they would be mature and Christ-like and not be tossed about like the wind. How are we going to affect that? Because if we can't figure that out, we're just playing church. And we have no interest in playing church. And so we're like, man, we gotta, we gotta do something about this. So we started talking, and out of those conversations, concepts began to be born. One of the concepts that was born out of those conversations was the concept of missional community. We talked about it last week. We said we have to move our, our life group idea from a weekly Bible study to an engaged uh, devotional and missional space for the people in our church. So we started reshaping the way we do small community. And we started saying a missional community is gonna have spaces and rhythms and people are gonna live differently in them so that they can engage devotionally and missionally in biblical community together. And that was born and we started six months ago and we started pushing that and, and weeding through that. And now we are there where that is the main engagement. We started 2013 with 12 life groups. We ended 2013 with 34 missional communities. And that was a massive change for us. And this year it's only gonna get exp exponentially bigger. We realized beyond missional community that we have to up the ante in the leadership structure so that we can engage, identify, and release leaders more quickly here because we need more leaders. One of the reasons why the gap between the idea of being connected and the personal connection from leaders is so large is because there's five of us and 2,000 of you. So we're like, whoa, how do you do that? So we realized if we do not uh, up the ante on leadership structures and means by which all of you who are sitting dormant but are ready to be great leaders can't get in because we don't know and you don't know and you don't know how and we don't know you, we need to change all of that. And so we up the ante on that and, and I shared two weeks ago about elders and deacons and the leadership structure and engaging and many of you engaged in that process in the last two weeks and we're super excited and we are, we have the stuff in place to drive that hard. So here we go. And then we realized we need to clarify direction and expectation in the story for you. We need to be able to say and articulate regularly, hey, this is what you should expect from us, from the church, from each other. This is where we're gonna be going. This is how it works. We need to clarify that stuff, otherwise you're gonna be going, I I'm in, but I don't know what that means. And we need to start going, this is what that means. This is how it happens. You see, we want to move people inward in the story. We want to move people from the outside of the story. You're in the city of Mosaic, but we want to move you inside into the core of Mosaic. We want to make greater connections with greater ease. That's our heart. Because that was our heart for the bumper sticker. It's just that the bumper sticker began to fail us. So what do leaders need to do in a context like this, if we are gonna accomplish what I just said. 
We're going to do this. So what is it we need to do? That was the next question that was born in our minds. What do we need to engage in doing? And as we boiled it down and boiled it down, there are many different things, but we got them all into a basic concept. One, we need to identify and engage and release leaders. As leaders of the church, we need to be doing that really well. Because if we're not doing that, we can't increase the leadership scope, in which case we can't keep up with what God is doing here. So we need to become very good at that. We need to steward well the resources of this church in a manner worthy of the gospel so that those of you that get engaged with your time and your energy and your resources, that you actually watch us steward them and go, this is a great investment into the kingdom of God. We need to be trustworthy doing that in a manner worthy of the gospel led by the Spirit. We need to engage with you. (laughs) What What a concept, right? We need to engage with you in a more personal manner where we get to know your heart, not just from the stage. This is one version of engaging with you, but it is still, it has a barrier to it. There is a neutrality to this engagement. God works through me to speak to you, but at the end of the day, we are not really interacting. And so there needs to be a connectiveness where we are engaged in your lives more. And then finally, we really felt that we need to lead by example. We see mandate in scripture for that all over the place. as the leaders of the church, we need to lead by example. We need to be able to say to you, follow me as I follow Jesus. And when you look at my life or the life of any of the leaders, you should go, man, how do I keep up with that? That's what you should feel. How do I keep up with that? And I should be able to go, you don't, unless you run much faster. That's how I'm supposed to be living. That's how the leaders are supposed to be living. If we're asking you, we're already doing it. And so we realize that's what we need to do. So we said, Hey, you know what? Let's clarify all this for the people. I mean, let's just do it. Why, why talk about this and secretly do it behind their backs? Why not just get in front of the church and say, folks, this is what the leadership wants to do. This is what we're going to do. And you should see that this is going to be part of the expectation now. And so then we started thinking, hold on. Let's not just simply clarify what we want to do. Let's actually make a commitment to it. A promise of sorts, if you will. Not of sorts, actually, let's just do a promise. You see the progression there? Like, let's promise. So we said, you know what, let's do this. Let's set up a promise or a covenant with our people that say, here's what we promise to do from now on to fulfill the mandate of Ephesians 4 and call you into the mandate of Hebrews 10. This is what we're going to do. And we call it a covenant simply because covenant is a really awesome biblical term for promise. That's all covenant really is. Is, is it's a promise made. The scriptures are full of covenants and they're in all sorts of forms. There's covenants between God and humanity. There are covenants between a man and a wife. There, a covenant. There's covenants between uh, one man and another man. There's covenants between a man who's the leader of a community and that community. We see all those covenants in scripture. Those covenants differ from the way they play out. They are unconditional covenants where one person makes promises without any conditions from the other. They are conditional covenants where one makes a promise and in order to fulfill that promise, the others make a promise and those are conditional. As long as you do this, then we can do this. And as long as we do this, then you can do that. Then there are covenants that are long-term, lifelong covenants, and there are covenants that are short-term. While I'm here, I'll do this. When I'm not here anymore, I don't have to. We see all of those examples, and so covenants are simply promises made within the context of the promise. As long as this is true, we promise this. And so we said, let's, let's make a covenant with our people. 
And so here is what the elder pastors of Mosaic Church, the, the, the people leading you uh, according to scripture into that maturity that we've talked about, here's the covenant we are covenanting with the people of Mosaic Church uh, that we are supposed to lead. You ready? It's gonna be up there. First of all, we covenant to appoint elders and deacons according to scriptural guidelines. We do, we, we covenant with you that we will regularly be seeking out people within the church that are growing, discipling them so that they will become leaders who can lead you well in the serving and in the shepherding contexts of deacons and elders next to each other as we run hard. We covenant with you that we will consistently be doing that because if this church consistently continues to grow out of the health that God is producing, we're gonna need leaders more and more. We are no longer gonna fall behind on that and create that gap. We covenant with you that we will steward the church under the Spirit's guidelines. In other words, we are making a promise to you that when we steward the resources of this church, financial and human, the time that you guys all put in, we will steward them in a manner worthy of the gospel as we seek the Spirit's guidance. If we don't do that, you should call us on that. You understand? Because we've now said it. We promise to do that. We covenant with you to do that. We promise, we covenant with you to shepherd, to pray, to teach, to equip, to protect and to correct you. To pray for you and to teach you, to, to protect you from false doctrines, false teachings, false concepts, false philosophies that are within the context of our culture and keep you safe from those things by sharing with you the realities of what it really means to follow Jesus. We promise to do that. And we promise to correct you when you're acting stupid, okay? Yes, we promise to do that too. You go, what does that mean? It means that we promise that when we see you living a life that is going to lead to destruction for you or for others, we are going to have the courage to step into your life lovingly and say, we love you. We want you to be free. What are you doing? I mean, come on. And we ought to be doing that for each other. Jesus gave us the mandate for that in the book of Matthew. We promise to do everything we ask you to do. We promise. If we ask you to do something, we'll be doing it first. We will be doing it consistently. We will not ask you to step into anything that we are not willing and have not already stepped into so that we are leading by example. And we promise you will do that. If we ever ask you to do something and you can look at a leader here and say, well, hold on a second, the leadership isn't doing this, then you ought to be able to say, well, then, then don't call me into it until you're leading it out. That's how it should be. We promise to do this. So, as you can tell, these promises, they move from the stage out into the people, right? So it's gonna become a lot more personal, a lot more invasive, a lot more uh, in intrusive in terms of actually moving from this comfortable distance between the stage and you, Lots of inspiration, but not a whole lot of accountability to moving into, no, 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 we, we, we really want to step in. And we're very excited about that, frankly, because that eliminates the two years in the lobby, never connected story. It eliminates the, I try to be a deacon. It eliminates the, I raised my hand in 2009. I don't know what it means. It eliminates all that, and it starts connecting us the way we intended the bumper stickers to do, and that they did early in our story. But it does beg two questions that we suddenly wrestled with. One, does everybody actually want this? Because some of you are going, whoa, I'm about to leave this church. 
invasive craziness. I like the distance between the stage and me. I like the impersonal nature of it all. And, and look, I'm not making fun. I mean, that's true, right? We live in a culture where that's a bit of an uncomfortability. And so we thought, well, there may be people that call this place home that are part of Mosaic that like the old system where everything was just like, hope you're doing it. Hope you are. Good luck. And, and the stage is enough for them. So we're like, well, we gotta identify who actually wants this kind of leadership. We can't project that onto anyone because we still wanna remain a place where you have the freedom to journey here at your own pace, in your own way, without feeling like someone's invading your space when you don't want them to. That's always been our heart and we want that to continue. So we have to create a space for those of you that say, I'm not ready for that. I like just experiencing it from the stage for now and in the random moments of neat conversation in the lobby. And also we started saying, well look, there's still 2,000 plus of them and there's 10 elders, pastors at this church. I mean, it's all good to say this. We're gonna shepherd you, it's gonna be beautiful. But do you know how busy I just got? I'm not preaching anymore, just so you know, because I'm meeting with all of you hundreds a day to try to do this. So we realize that's not gonna work, right? So we have to figure out who it is we're making these promises to and affecting and how we're actually going to accomplish it. And it dawned on us, if we are going to accomplish our promises to you in a way that doesn't fail you and doesn't disappoint you, it's time that we need to call you into the partnership with us to say, not only are we promising you some things in covenant, but we wanting you to partner with us in this journey together so that we're doing it together so that you've identified yourself as someone that says, I would like to be part of the story in the inner city of this church. I would like to be shepherded in a personal way. I would like to connect at that level. I, I want to do that. And so we realized it's time to call people into a partnership because we want to clarify what it is we're going to be pastoring you in and how it is that we're going to be doing that. And so we decided to call you into a covenant partnership, a partnership of promise, that's what that is, a partnership of promise, a mutual promise made, a mutual trust agreed upon, a relationship of trust and promise, that's the kind of way you handle uh, the gospel as it plays out through us, that we mutually trust one another and mutually promise to one another. This is a call, if you will, for all of you to say, I'm in and I know what it means. Right? Not just, I'm inspired in, I'm in and I know what that means. I know what it means to step into partnership with you. It is a deeper version of belonging here. That's what it is. It's not the only version of belonging. Please hear me on this. The partnership, the covenant partnership, doesn't now mean you don't belong if you don't become a covenant partner. It's just a deeper version of belonging here. It's you identifying yourself as wanting to be in that inner space and wanting us to do these promises we said we would do into you. It is the gateway into the inner circle. It really is, at least the fastest gateway in. Uh, you remember in the vision when I described it three weeks ago in the beginning of the year, I said one of our hopes here is to transition the core of Mosaic from 20% to 
that the typical 20% core, 80% non is very typical in every organization and every church, and we want to switch that around so that we go, no, 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 no. 80% of our people are cared for in core level and engaged at a core level, and 20% are trying to run away and we're sucking them in, right? That's what we dreamed. Well, to do that, it's time to up the ante, and not only for us, but also for you, to say, here's the gateway in, do you want in? Now is the time to identify, I'd rather be in the 20% and not the 80% of the core, because I like this place. And listen, again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, are you going to be one of the crazies that want to stay on the fringe? No, the journey is a big deal to us, and some of us are, are journeying in, and it's like, whoa, and we want to leave that space open. And so this calls us into that. It is how we are gonna fulfill Ephesians 4 and Hebrews 10 in our midst. It is the movement above and beyond the bumper sticker. Not in place of it, just above and beyond the bumper sticker. It's a partnership of promise. It's a partnership of trust. It's a mutual promise to one another. Now guys, this is not a club. This is not a special status. Like, oh, I, I get to be a CP, I get a covenant partner, I'm in, and they're gonna start treating me like a covenant partner, and those who aren't covenant partners, they don't belong to the special club. No, that's not what it is at all in any way. It is the engagement tangibly for the gospel through the story of Mosaic. That's what you're saying. I want to engage in gospel life, gospel adventure through the story of Mosaic. That's what covenant partnership is all about. Look, anytime the scope of people that you are leading exceeds your ability numerically to lead them well, you have to rethink how things are going to work to produce the same kind of freedom in their lives that you did when there were less of them. I, I saw this happen in my home this last two years. Kind of a wild ride. You know, a few years ago, my wife and I, uh, we had two kids. When we moved here 11 years ago, we had two kids, three and five, mo- five weeks old. That was it. And those two kids, everything we did as the designated leaders of those kids was all relational, all of it. There was no expectations needing to be clarified. We just kind of went, this is how it works, because there's the kid, and I'm fully engaged. Then we got two more kids, and it was still fine, we were still good, because for the most part it was relational, but we started setting up a few little expectations, right? Uh, you know, suddenly our six-year-old, were like, we don't do that, because I gotta deal with him, and then it was this kind of deal. Have you ever had this? Oh, Mom, I said that. You gotta wait, I'm dealing with this one right now, right? So there was a kind of a sense of how that worked, but here's the deal, in everyday general life, we were still able to do this kind of stuff, right? Um, okay, guys. How many of you have taken showers in the last two or three days? No hands. All right, all right, listen. We all need to take showers regularly, please. So everybody, it's Wednesday morning, everybody hop in the showers. And the little kids would go and they'd hop in the showers because we had one really small little kid and three that we needed to manage a little bit more. You don't manage toddlers, you chase toddlers. You manage the kids that are beyond that. And so we get, get the kids in the shower, they all shower, and we could do that. If we missed the boat somewhere, it was an easy recovery. And then two years ago, our family grew from four to eight. And we stayed with that system. We stayed with the system of, hey, you know what? Everybody go sit at the table. There goes dinner. Everybody hop in the car. Mom will be out in a minute. 
Oh goodness, mom run. There's a war going out there and the neighbors are watching. DCF is coming, right? I mean, that, that's how we started feeling. And showers, showers were insane. Okay, how many of you guys showered in the last few days? No hands. All right, everybody in the showers. Do you know how many cold showers I took? Do you have any idea in the first six months? I mean, every time I showered, it was a cold shower because nine other people had showered. So I'm like, either I get up at four in the morning depressed or I take a cold shower because you can't handle that kind of level. So we came up with a plan. We gotta clarify expectations. We gotta put systems in place because our family is not free anymore. They're fighting, they're disappointed, they're at war with each other. You know, in the mornings you get this, move it! You've been in there for 30 minutes! And I'm like in the shower, towel wrapped around, find the kid, save the kid! I mean, that's how our house was. And I'm like, I said to Brooke, we are failing our children. And so we started putting things together. We have assigned seats at our dining room table, they change once a month. If you sit in any seat other than your assigned seats, then, uh, I won't tell you what, we, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> then, then you skip dessert, but you know that now. You go sit in your assigned seat, and you know what happens at our dining room table? Everybody go sit at the table. Yeah, baby, let's have some dinner. We have assigned seats in the big black bus we drive. They change as well. No, you cannot sit in the front. You know how this works. Back into your seat. And go get in the car, little bit of fight, but we wouldn't call it war. We would call it more bickering at this point, and bickering will take it over war. <laughs> and showers, we put a shower schedule together. It's posted on the bathroom doors. It has the eight names of the eight kids. It has the days and the night day. It has a moon or a little sun. If it has a sun, that means you shower in the morning. If it has a moon, that means you shower at night. On Wednesday night, at this time, you shower. I prefer the mornings. Tough! That's <laughs> what you do. Now, what we did do is we worked with the kids originally and said to them, uh, listen, what are your preferences? And wherever preferences were able, it was a mutual agreement. We kind of agreed together that works, that works, until everybody kind of went, I can live with that. And then we put the schedule together and we slapped it on the door. And now when a kid says, I don't like the mornings anymore, we go, listen, you agreed on this. We mutually agreed that would work for you. And if we get a chance to change it down the road, we will, but right now this is it. You know what happens in the mornings? Somewhere between two and three people shower at my house every morning and every evening, and that gets us all showered. I get to shower every day because I'm the dad, and Brooke gets to shower every day, but not the kids. They stick to the schedule, and guess what happens with showers? I never get the banging on the door anymore because if it's not your shower day, you shouldn't be banging on the door. In fact, I don't even wake you up until the showers are done because if they're sleeping, they don't, they don't fight. It's awesome. <laughs> so I wake them up in sequence, and I don't wake up anymore in the morning in panic going, Brooke, who needs to shower? I get up, I go to the door, I turn the light on, and is up today. Brahanu, shower day, go shower. And that's how it works, it's so easy. See, the reality is whenever the scope of the people exceed the scope of the leadership, you need to rethink the way you lead to continue to have the people live under the freedom that you wanted them to live under before. So we are calling you into a partnership with us. A promised a promise of partnership a covenant partnership where we have promised to you some things and we need you to also understand what it is we need from you in order to fulfill our promises we wrote your promises to us in this light if we're going to fulfill our promise to you what are some expectations you should have that we are going to integrate into your life with what are we actually going to lead you in when we come and invade your space 
Here are the things we're going to lead you in because we believe these things will allow you to live a life uh, devoted to Jesus on mission, stewarding your resources well. And that's what we want you to do because that is gospel living. So take a look. First promise we're asking you to make if you're going to be a covenant partner. So you're going to read the scriptures. Yep, you got to read the Bible. That's right. Why? Because the word of God matters a great deal to your life and mine. And frankly, if you're not in the word of God, at least regularly in your life, doesn't matter how much I shepherd you, you coming here on a weekend and listening to a message and podcasting one more on a Wednesday is not engagement in the word of God. Engagement in the word of God is regularly integrating into what God says in his word and then actually choosing to say, as best I can through the power of the spirit, I'm gonna live by this. I'm gonna trust the word of God. So we actually want you to say, I'm gonna read scripture regularly. You're gonna follow the sacraments of communion and baptism. And that seems odd. What's the agenda behind that? I'll tell you, it's real simple. So we thought through this. Jesus bothered in his life on planet earth to give us two particular sacraments that allow us to communicate to the biblical community our spiritual journey and to remember what Jesus has done for us. Baptism communicates to the biblical community, I follow Jesus now and I want to be integrated into the communal life that Jesus describes in scripture. That's what baptism was for. Jesus was baptized, uh, others were baptized in the journey after they made profession of faith. It was their way of declaring to the biblical community, uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm part of this. And communion, on the last night before Jesus died, he said to his disciples, which include us in the long-term journey, every time you have opportunity to come together around this meal, I want you to remember what I've done for you through the bread and the cup. It is a means by which we remind one another of the gospel of Jesus Christ and its impact on our lives. And as a community, we felt as leaders, we ought to call you into regular engagement in remembering the gospel through the incredible sacraments given us. So whenever we have sacraments, uh, in, in, the, in a communal sense, we expect those of us that are covenant partners to say, I wanna remember Jesus too. It's not a big deal. It's a big deal that you do it. It's not a big ask, rather. To be active in a missional community at Mosaic. What? What do, you, what do you mean, like I have to join one? Yeah, yeah, you, you have to join one. To, to be a covenant partner, you do. You don't have to join one if you don't wanna be a covenant partner, but you have to join one if you're gonna be a covenant partner. Well, hold on a second. Show that to me in the Bible. Well, well listen, one, I can, because frankly, community was a big deal, but here's how it really plays out, okay? In very practical terms, there are two things we want for you. We want you deeply engaged in the spirit of God, the word of God, and the community of God, right? So we want you to have a life of devotion to Jesus and a life of mission in biblical community. And guess what we've put together for that to happen on a regular basis in your life? Missional communities. So if we say we're gonna shepherd you into a life of devotion for Jesus on mission with the biblical community, we have established the space for that and we need you to engage in it because otherwise we break our promise to you. Because we can't go shepherd you randomly one person at a time as we chase after you at your workplace and go, we know you're really, 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 really busy and you, we know you're never around for a gathering and you're never in a missional community, but we're here for you. I'm sorry, we can't do that. It's not practical. 
So we're saying you get into these spaces, regular gatherings, and a missional community, and in those spaces, we can and will fulfill our promise to you. And there are still 10 pastors in this church and over 2,000 individuals. We can't shepherd you the way we're saying we will in this context. So what we've done is we've engaged hundreds of deacons in process in this church, and those deacons will be leading missional communities under the shepherding reality of the elders. So the elders will be shepherding you through the missional communities as the deacons lead you. And so we will know what's going on in your lives, and we will be able to integrate into the pulse of your struggles. And in that missional community, these kinds of things that we are wanting to shepherd you into, lead you into, will be able to be interacted with in a personal and somewhat invasive manner. See, we still want to be relational about this. We don't want to post stuff up and say, if we ever see you not do this, you're out of this church. We want to go, no, we're just telling you where we want to lead you in, and to do that relationally, you need to be part of a missional community. You promise to serve in some way at Mosaic. Huh. You guys just need more volunteers. That's why you did this. No, no, actually, we don't, but here's what we do realize. What would be the point of saying, I'm a partner in the gospel with Mosaic Church? I'm in, and then we go, whatever that means for you, you just do it. And then we find you in the lobby two years later going, I raised my hand, but I don't know what that means. So we're telling you, here's what it means. Think about it. What does a partnership mean? I come alongside you, and we do it together, right? So we're just kind of translating that into practical terms. If you're a covenant partner at Mosaic, you ought to be serving somewhere in our story, right? We're not dictating where, we're not dictating how much, we're not dictating how many hours. Coffee bar, great, do that. On a weekend, jump into the greeting team, join student ministries, jump into the children's ministry, serve as a volunteer somewhere. There's so many options, but just serve somewhere because otherwise you're not a partner. So let's not pretend. Let's not go, oh, I'm a partner. No, you're not. If you're serving your partner, so then call yourself a partner because you're serving. See what we're doing here? We're making it real. And then this one. Give regularly, sacrificially, and joyfully at Mosaic. Oh, come on. You always told us it doesn't matter where we give. We can give wherever we want. You can. You absolutely can. And hopefully this will not be the only place you're giving. Brooke and I don't only give here. We give our tithes here And then we exceed that and give more elsewhere because we want to change things here and around the world. And we want you to do the same. But here's what we don't want. We don't want you to say, I'm a partner. Great. I don't give a dime here because I'm supporting this other ministry. We're really glad you are. That's awesome. But then don't call yourself a partner. Go sign a partnership there. You know what I'm saying? Not because we're like mean and like, I can't believe it. It's just this, that if we're going to call this what it is, then let's live it, right? So all we're saying is that we expect our covenant partners to be engaged in ministry here through their time and through their resources, which means they're serving in some way and they're giving in some way. How much you want me to give? Did you read it? Regularly, sacrificially, joyfully. I don't know what that means. Is it 10%? I, I don't know. What I do know is this, that if you go, my giving doesn't even bite a bit here at Mosaic, then you're not giving sacrificially. I'm a little mad that you're making me give, then you're not giving joyfully. And I give once every three and a half years. I'm a covenant partner. No, you're not. It needs to be regular, sacrificial, and joyful. 
That's what we're asking. And, and we're, gonna, we're gonna step into your lives and, and ask, how's that going? And then we want you to submit to the elder pastors. Oh, control, I hate control, I'm out of here. Hold, hold, you don't have to be a covenant partner, number one. And number two, it'd be kind of crazy, wouldn't it, if we make a promise like this, we promise to pray for you, teach you, equip you, protect you, and correct you, and every time we try, you go, leave me alone. I don't need to listen to you. Then we're gonna go, well, well, well then, th- then don't. But then don't pretend to be a covenant partner either. This is a mutual promise where you're saying, I trust God enough in you guys, the spirit of God in you guys, that if you step into my life in a biblical manner, relationally and kindly, as Matthew calls us to, and you call me out of acting crazy, I'm gonna listen. And if I'm doing something that doesn't align with the promises I've made, and you come and say, hey, we just wanna shepherd you into that, I'm gonna go, thank you. I'm not gonna go, I hate you. And that's what we're asking. Look, this is biblical. The scripture says that the elders are supposed to be overseers of the church. So we're saying to you, by God's mandate, we can't fulfill Ephesians 4 in your life unless you're willing to submit to the leadership God has called us into. And we're promising you we're gonna do that in some very significant ways. So this is what we want. Now, what does this practically mean for us? How are we ever gonna make sure you're giving regularly, sacrificially and joyfully, and you're part of a missional community, and you're serving? How are we gonna do that? Well. Let's, let's start here, okay? Uh, we're going to walk around, and if you sign up as a CP, as a, a, a covenant partner, we're gonna go find out from the people you say you're serving with, and we're gonna say, are they really serving regularly? And if you're not, we're gonna come to you, and we're gonna go, you said you were serving regularly, you're not, you liar. <laughs> no, no, we're not gonna do any of that. Let's just be abundantly clear on this. See, I said this is a partnership of mutual trust, right? So what we're gonna do is this, we're gonna ask you, are you serving regularly? I am. That's awesome, where are you serving? In the coffee bar, fantastic. Keep it up, that's great. Then a few months later, hey, are you serving regularly still? No, you know, I got busy at work and so I disengaged from the coffee bar and I'm really not. You know, how can we help you find a space to get back in? See, it's a mutual experience of trust, that's how we've always functioned here at Mosaic. We're not gonna run around and babysit you. If you wanna lie to us, feel free. That's a much bigger problem than not giving regularly or not serving. And if that's the life you wanna live, hey man, kudos to you, go for it. I'm just warning you, death and destruction comes after that, right? So we don't want that for you. So we're expecting you, if you sign up as a missional, I mean, as a a, a covenant partner, we're expecting you to say, I actually want this. Don't pretend, folks. We're not gonna treat you as a second-class citizen if you don't sign the dock. We're not gonna say, oh, we're not gonna shepherd you anymore. We're just telling you that it's random. It's sporadic. It doesn't happen consistently. You're gonna live under the old system and don't be surprised if you're in the lobby for two years and you don't know what it means to connect because we don't know you wanna connect. We're also not going to step invasively into your life and ask you questions like, are you serving here? And if you say no, go, man, how can we help you do it? We might say, are you serving? If you say no and you're not a covenant partner, we're gonna go, well, certainly encourage you to at some point See, we're not, we're not making those promises to you because you didn't want them, and that's okay. With the giving, <laughs> we're gonna go in the records, make sure you're giving joyfully, right? It's gonna tell us right there. That check was written joyfully. <laughs> then we're gonna come to you and say, well done. And if it says grumpily, then we're gonna come to you and say, that was grumpy. It needs to stop. 
We're also going to make sure that the amount you're giving lines up with sacrificial. So we're going to check your bank accounts, line up with your tithe giving, and go, that ain't sacrificial. No, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to come to you, and we're going to say, how's giving going? And you're going to go, it's, it's going well. And we're going to say, do you feel like you're giving sacrificially and joyfully and regularly? You know, I, I don't actually. Well, how can we help you do that? Because it's not about us. It's about you. It's about protecting you. And it's about the work of God is doing, th- the work that God is doing through us. And we do that together. And it's the same thing with each of these parts. With missional community, we're regularly going to make sure you're in a missional community. With missional communities, we're going to check up regularly. Now, missional community is a little different than the other two because we are going to check up regularly. Hey, are you in that missional community? Here's why. Not because we're checking up on you per se, but because we promise to shepherd you. And how do we shepherd you? By checking with the deacons who are leading you and asking, how's it going with her and with him? And if they go, they haven't been here for six months, we're going to come to you and go, we were just talking to the deacon who's leading you because we want to integrate into your heart and you haven't been there for six months. What's going on? Are are you working three jobs? What's happening? Because we want to get you integrated back into biblical community as quickly as possible because that's where you're safe. That's where we can shepherd you. And we can't shepherd you if you're not in. And that's what we want to do. So that's how this is going to play out. So who should step into covenant partnership here? Of all of you people, who should step in? Well, it's simple. If you've been around for a while, or you're fairly new to the story, and you say, I'm, I'm in this story, man. I mean, everything about this place, I want in on the story. I want to be part of this. And I want to be cared for and shepherded here in a manner that's not just from a stage in an impersonal sense, but in a personal, more invasive way of actually bothering to ask me how my life is going. You ought to be a covenant partner. You really ought to. Because that's how we're going to do it. And you're saying, I want in on this story. I want to partner with this story. And, and, and if you are not yet in the place where all those different things have lined up in your life, you're giving regularly, you're in a missional community, you're serving in a ministry, you're like, I don't do any of those things or some of those things. It's just like the deacon and elder process. We're not saying, get those right, then come sign up. We're saying, no, jump in and then just tell us, I'm not there yet and we will work with you to get you there in a good span of time. This is no rush. This is just discipling you into where you need to be. So jump in. Those of you that say, I want to be on the radar here, man. I just don't want to be a lost blip. This is for you. This is the gateway for you into the story in a deeper way than you've ever imagined. Who should not become a covenant partner? At least for now. If you're really relatively new to our story here, you've stepped in recently, you're in the beginning either of your faith journey or of your journey here at Mosaic, I would encourage you to take some time to watch us for a while, to see if you can trust us. This is a partnership of trust. And if you don't know us well enough to trust us, you ought not to be signing this document. Just enjoy yourself here. Come and receive. Join a missional community. Jump into a serving team. See how they handle stuff. See how you're cared for. Come regularly to the gatherings. Be part of things here. And as you start sensing Man, this place is real. They actually care about me and my spiritual journey and engaging me in the gospel. Then it's time for you to start considering this. Guys, we don't want you to feel like this is something that's now going to create a gap between the haves and the haves-nots, the ins and the outs. You belong here because you're part of this church and you love it here and you have a bumper sticker on your car. We're not replacing the bumper sticker. We're just adding to it, enhancing it. We still want you to have a bumper sticker because even though it's awkward for a moment, it's still fun to see you. Hey! 
but we want more than that for you. And so if you're not ready to jump in, take your time and see where the story takes you. In terms of fulfilling the vision that we articulated three weeks ago to build a people that are so devoted to Jesus, so on mission, so great at stewarding their lives in a manner worthy of the gospel, that they become these committed, connected, mature, missional people, we are gonna have to work really hard. And covenant partnership is the means by which we're gonna begin to do it through the structures of leadership and the missional communities put together. By the end of this year, we're gonna see some amazing things happening around here as we partner together in the gospel. That's our heart. That's our promise. And we want you in on that story. So if you want in, covenant partnership is for you. And if you wanna take some time, then take some time. Next steps are simple. You'll hear about them in the announcements, but beyond that, it's just you beginning to ask the question, do I wanna step into this? There's no rush, folks. We're not sending you home and saying, if the covenant partnership is not in in seven days, you're out for this year. It's not how it works. Take your time to pray about it, think about it, read it, look over it, question elders about it, deacons about it, talk to people, and when you go, I'm totally ready for this, then jump in. For some of you, that means you're gonna go home tonight and go, I'm, I'm already and I've been waiting for this for years, ding. For some of you, it's gonna take a few weeks to wrestle through some questions you have, and for some of you, it might take a few months. That's okay, we have plenty of time. 2014 is the integration of covenant partnership, not January of 2014. And so we wanna see this become part of our lives over the 12 month period of this year so that by 2015, this is standard operating procedure for us. And that's how we're gonna run it. I can't wait to see what Jesus is gonna do through our church as we begin to learn to live in a manner worthy of the gospel in a covenant partnership, a mutual promise, a mutual trust with corrected and clarified mutual expectations so that we can do this for real and not play church. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the incredible ways that you continually lead us, mature us, and grow us. God, I thank you that uh, you have seen fit to continue to birth health in this place that has produced growth. God, you know our hearts. We've never pursued numerical growth, and yet you have brought it because you have a story. You're writing. That's your story, and we're we're excited about whatever that story is. But God, since you've brought it, we want to steward it well in a manner worthy of your name and of the gospel. And I thank you for the insights you've brought over this last year to the leaders of this church as we have wrestled through these issues and come to conclude that these are the means by which we enhance the bumper sticker and move into deeper, greater commitment and, 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 and connection with one another. And most importantly, deeper, greater commitment and connection with you. May this covenant partnership never become a legalistic experience, but a relational connection that allows us to function in freedom together and lead each other into lives that are free and lives that are devoted to you, Jesus, and lives that are missional and lives that are changing the world for the sake of your name and for the expansion of your kingdom through the gospel that you affected for us through your death and resurrection. We love you, Jesus. We want this for you, Jesus. We ask you to do it in and through us for your sake. We pray in your precious name, amen.